1: absolutely phenomenal. Uh, So, I mean, this is the kind of thing that you want to turn
0: to Get Your Guide for. Whatever you're into, you'll find an experience you love. Discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at GetYourGuide.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the
2: U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
3: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Today's episode
0: is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb.
4: And I'm Julie Douglas.
1: Julie, name for me your favorite beards. And in the world out there of bearded faces, uh, which which ones call to you the most?
4: You mean the wearer of it?
1: No, I'm just saying like you... Of beards that you... I mean, I guess you, it's hard. How do you separate the wearer from the beard? How do you separate the beard from the bearded?
4: I don't know. I'm staring at our producer right now, Noel, who has a wonderful beard. He does. It's a good beard. It's, it's a, a friendly beard. beard. It's its a... Au courant. That was an awful pronunciation. of very current. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good... It's a solid beard. Yeah. But you know, one of my favorite beards of all time,
1: mm-hmm. Aubrey de Grey. Yes.
4: We, we, this is the biogerontologist. Yes,
1: he has a straight, yeah, straight up wizard beard, a long beard that you look at it and you're like, this is a man with, with wisdom. This is a man, um, of experience that I can trust to help me live forever.
4: Yeah, and you know what? I, I kind of had wondered, you know, I think I made the comment before in another episode when we were discussing some of his ideas about living forever, um, you know, there was this idea of, well, if he shaped his beard, would he look 20 years old or would he look 120? I don't know. There's that much facial hair going on.
1: Yeah, and off the top of my head, I don't know how old he is either. So we can't even factor that into it.
4: No, but after sort of looking at some of this research, I have a new view of Aubrey de Grey that I will discuss later on in the podcast because I don't want to give anything away. Okay.
1: Um, it, it's interesting. You sent this... Um this infographic uh, around the, the trustworthiness of beards. It ranks all these varying degrees of beards from uh, from the, the very trustworthy to the disastrous. And there's there's like a dozen of them on here. And uh, on the far end of the very trustworthy scale, we have like two the two beards that are closest to the end. One basically looks like Noel's beard, and the other one looks like Aubrey de DuGray's beard. If you go on the other end of the spectrum, then you have to encounter. Uh, A a Hitler mustache and uh, a pencil-thin mustache, a la John Waters.
4: I was about to say, the pencil-thin always says villain to me. Yeah, or
1: John Waters. I don't think of John Waters as a villain.
4: Well, I think a benevolent villain. I think he would would term himself that, you know?
1: Possibly, possibly.
4: He's a provocateur.
1: Uh, But also uh, funny on this uh, particular infographic is that the uh, the Hitler mustache and the John Waters mustache, uh, right below that, is a full werewolf. So...
4: I'm glad that hypertrichosis made the list.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I um and I tell you one beard uh, there's so many great beards out there. Um so many great beards from science history alone, which uh, I'm hoping we'll do a a little uh, gallery to to go with this online.
4: Now, I have to mention before we launch into beards and we really look at the science behind them, um that I feel like in part we should owe this episode to your own facial hair. Yes.
1: Oh, the, the sideburns. Yeah, the sideburns.
4: Yeah, yeah. You've got nice chops there.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, they go from the sideburn level to the chop level, which I, I was I was looking at where those rank on this particular trustworthiness of uh, of beards, and certainly the chops the uh, the chops are a little more in the neutral zone, uh, whereas the the sideburns are are a little more towards the trustworthy side. So if I can actually you know, go by anything that this infographic has to say about the matter.
4: Well, uh, just as a side note, you have a great. Photo gallery. Uh, of oh, yes. the sideburns of science.
1: The sideburns of science. So yeah, I'm thinking we'll do one about beards as well to to, to go with this episode. Sure, we might as well. Uh, one beard that I that I am seeing a lot of recently because I'm watching um, the current season of Mad Men is uh, the actor who plays the character Stan, uh, J.R. Ferguson has this huge beard. I don't know if you're up to that. Point oh yeah. Yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so He's I, the I
4: illustrator. Yeah, right?
1: the illustrator, massive beard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was looking up, I found an interview with him, and he says that when he um, after he came in. Um, you know, ready to do the show, grew out this beard for, that they wanted him to have for the season. It, he said it was actually a bit too much. It was like a cross between Jeremiah Johnson and uh, Tom Hanks and Castaway. And they actually had to trim it down to its, uh, to the state that you see it in on that. Wow. So, so,
4: so virile was his beard. Yeah, yeah. They had to tame it back. Uh, you know, what's interesting about that, and we'll get into this, is that as a character, he, he uh, usually says some pretty, Loudish things, like loudish, like um, you know, he says some inappropriate things, sexually charged. Mm -hmm. Now, clean shaven, super creepy. But the beard, I actually think, softens that a bit.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. because Yeah, he's he's a far more lovable character with the beard. Well, also, you see a little bit more character development of him, I feel, as the the show progresses, so you know him a little better by the time he has the beard. But yeah, like, earlier on, you're like, who is this this guy? This guy's kind of awful. And now you're like, this is one of the better gentlemen in the office.
3: Yeah,
4: you're right. This guy's got personality.
1: Yeah, and he, I guess, is the only... I can't think of any of the other characters that current that are currently on the show that have a beard. So.
4: No, but there is a lot of uh, facial hair going on, for yeah. sure. Now, uh, let's uh, look back here in the time machine at ancient Greece, where the beard was big, right? Mm-hmm. It was a sign of virility, and it was an advertisement that you were not a eunuch. Yes. Because presumably, or this was the thought, actually, that if you were a eunuch, you wouldn't have the ability, would not have the hormones to produce the, the massive, glorious beards right. of and, your wisdom.
1: And certainly, in, in olden days, uh, in various societies, this was there were enough eunuchs around that this was actually uh, something to think about. There was actually a, a fair number of eunuchs playing varying roles in society, sometimes very important roles Um which uh, reminds me, we do need to do an episode on Unix one we day, do. because the, the history of Unix and, uh, and some of the science of Unix is, is really, um, really fascinating. Um, but yeah, yeah you, uh, go back to the Greeks. The Greeks loved them, at least uh, until uh, Alexander the Great came along and he said, actually, we don't need beards. We need to shave these beards off if we're going into combat, because somebody could grab me by my beard and start slicing at my face.
4: Exactly, and I imagine that uh, at some point too, if you are in a situation where you don't have access to clean water and so on and so forth, that that little beard could get quite it could infested.
1: Wow, yeah, yeah, uh, and, and certainly we've been shaving beards for a while. Um, I mean, we well. Before we were shaving beards, uh, presumably we we're in, you know—there were situations where one would pluck out uh, the, the facial hair, uh, especially if you—if you weren't, say, capable of growing like a full beard anyway. Maybe mm-hmm. you just decided to, to go clean cut on it, and uh, you would be—you would have to, to pluck at the hairs or find out some other method. But we have found archaeological evidence dating back to 100,000 BCE of individuals shaving their beards, uh, clearly with some sort of a flint instrument. So, you know, the first razors, if you will.
4: Indeed. Um- it should not go unnoted that bearded ladies make appearances throughout history. Yes. Right? Um, I wanted to point out that some of this is due to something called hirsutism, which is a variant of hypertrichosis, also known as the werewolf syndrome, when there's an abnormal amount of hair growth on the body. Uh, though with hirsutism, it's usually due to increased levels of androgens or male hormones. Now, bearded ladies would show up in sideshow acts in the circus, right? hmm Or freak shows as they were called, most of the time those weren't actually ladies.
1: They were just dudes that put on a little, with beards that put on a little makeup and. A dress. Hmm.
4: Yeah. But that's been going on since Shakespeare's time, right? Oh, yeah. No ladies on the stage. Um, I also wanted to point out the cultural significance of the term beard, which is also slang for um, a person who is a cover for a gay friend or partner.
1: Yes, and apparently sometimes too, it would be a a cover for somebody who's having an affair in a um, a mixed gender uh, situation as well.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, Although I would say that the actually I've heard it more used as uh, a way to sort of negate someone's homosexuality in public. I feel
1: like that's the usage that (laughs) sticks with us more these days.
4: Yeah, it's sort of this idea that you could give this heteronorm appearance of a couple. Uh, knowing that one of them was gay the other was not mm-hmm. um, but I do I think it's fascinating because the term again when you're talking about heteronorms you talk about masculinity and in the the instance where there is a, a male who is gay who is with a woman she the beard gives him masculinity yeah I'm not saying that she gives him real masculinity I'm saying that from society's perspective she's imbuing him with this power
1: yeah. It, it always makes me, anytime I, I hear the term beard used in, in those uh, scenarios, it makes me think of uh, Monty Python's uh, The Life of Brian, uh, where there's a scene where uh, some, some, someone's going to be stoned to death uh, in punishment for uh, some sort of infraction, and um, and only the men are allowed to come and witness this. But only the women are, <laughs> are really interested in attending it, so they're all buying these fake beards from a vendor uh, outside the stoning area. and uh, And they're all... You know there to participate
4: i love that bit because mm-hmm. on so many different levels i think it's a commentary yeah, on society it
1: is it's, it's some wonderful commentary thrown in uh, to to what is still a very silly sketch but uh, but that's python for you
4: all right well uh, let's talk a bit about the evolution of the beard and and the sort of powers i said uh that is imbued by this mass of facial hair
1: so needless to say the beard grows on the face and um It's really interesting when you start thinking about the face. What is the human face, right? Because certainly uh, it is a bunch of skull meat. It is... uh it's a place where we keep our eyes and our nose and our mouth. So it's it's kind of this uh, front-loaded sensory array that allows us to take in the sense world around us. But then it is also something a bit more, too. It is also a communications array. Now, all of this is complicated by the fact that, of course, we end up thinking of our face as ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I am my face to a certain extent, or at least my face is an expression of who I am.
4: Or you're saying that some people allow how they look to color their personality.
1: Well... People end up augmenting their face in mm-hmm. v- to varying degrees, and that varying degrees may include um, growing a beard, it may mean wearing makeup, it may mean piercings, it may mean tattoos, it may mean cosmetic surgery. All of these things are, are done because we see the, the face as an expression of who we are, but then the... the but then it's also tied in with the fact that the the face is a means of communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we make expressions. There are uh, what seven primary expressions, and then various um, micro expressions mm-hmm. that uh, appear for just you know fractions of a second. As those we, are my favorite. These are some of the best. Yeah, that allow you to g- gain some insight into what's going on. What emotions are we feeling? What emotions are we covering? And uh, there was actually a two thousand and eight Czech study that found that facial expressions alone can speak a thousand words. So. We get into this idea of, of the, that the face is not just... You know who we are, but mm-hmm. but uh, a, a means of communicating with other members of our society, and uh, and so there was there was another study that I found that that plays into this, and this is a 2012 study from a team of UCLA biologists, and they started thinking about the evolution of the human face, and the evolution of the primate face, and and how does facial diversity um, factor into all of this? So they looked at 129 different adult male primates from Central and South America, and uh, the study included this great wheel that that uh, graph that had mm-hmm. all. These different monkey faces on it and they rang.
2: Across America, BP supports more than two hundred and seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms, and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and not or See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
5: Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony
0: Delasandra.
5: Billy's vocals. It was
1: automatic art. You
4: know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted
0: thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline
4: hey sarah i loved that spring break vlog you posted on zigazoo omg you watched it yeah it was edited so well
5: Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O.
3: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day.
1: Uh, pretty wildly. There is, you know, there, there are some very conservative looking monkey faces that is just like, oh, well, that is, that is a monkey. If you saw a picture of it, you'd be like, well, look at that monkey. There he is. Mm -hmm. And then others are, you know, like crazy, red-faced, mustachioed, you know, crazy eyebrow, like, you know, crazy monkey pictures.
4: Blue streak skin.
1: Yeah, like very, like punk rock monkeys. Mm -hmm. And so, you would look at these, and if you look at these thinking, um, all right, some of these monkeys are going to be more solitary than others, and some are going to be a little more society-driven, a little more, uh, you know, social and prone to live in, in packs and small groups. Um, and, and so, what is the, the correlation between facial complexity uh, and uh, and and social activity? As it turns out, the crazier the face on the primates in this study, the more solitary the monkey. Whereas the planar faced monkeys mm-hmm. were more uh, likely to live in, in some sort of a, a, a close knit uh, society in and in, in a group of some court sort. And so the theory here is that since our face is a communications array, since our face is a means of communicating with other members of our species, mm-hmm. the plainer the face is, The better the communication system. It's...
4: In a large community.
1: Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, this is the poster that I'm gonna use or, you know, this is the billboard I'm gonna use to communicate with people. And... The more graffiti I have on it, the more, you know, I have drapes up on it and all sorts of crazy stuff, it's, it's getting in the way of my ability to use that to communicate. The, the clear, so the, the, the crazy faces, they're standing out on their own because they don't have to, uh, to, to use this. But the planar faced monkeys, they're using this as a communication system and it it's like a, uh, like a satellite dish. If you want to pick up a signal, you want to have it cleaned off. You don't want to have a bunch of brush on it and, mm-hmm. and drying clothes and what have you.
4: Yeah, it makes total sense because if you are in a large community and you've got to read each other's facial expressions, then the plainer the face, the easier to read. But if you are just hanging out with one or two people, not a big deal. You can put on as much of the, the makeup, exactly. <laughs> nature's makeup as possible.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, *Expats*.
3: I think I learn a little bit with every character that I have I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more
4: people.
2: If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the scene to scene podcast.
4: Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well.
2: Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy, and anytime is right to listen to iHeart Radio's iHeart Country Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
4: Um, I do think it's really interesting in the human context because conservative estimates say that um, communication is perceived by up, I think, upwards of sixty percent of nonverbal cues. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it would make sense that whatever is crossing your face is really going to inform another person about how you feel, and particularly when you blush. I just looked at some research on blushing, and it turns out that the way that uh, our vision is constructed, the cones in our eyes, Mm -hmm. they think, uh, scientists and researchers think, that it was constructed in a way that we could really see the variances in skin color in humans so that we could perceive things like blushing, as a subtle way of saying, oh, this, you know, the person um, across from me feels ashamed about this or regretful mm-hmm. for doing something. And again, this plays into this idea of nonverbal cues, letting us know what is truly going on between uh, humans. So what does all this have to do with facial hair? Well, if you dress up this canvas mm-hmm. that you display your emotions Uh, You are certainly trying to say something with your beard, or or rather, there are some subconscious things going on with the beard.
1: Well, to a certain extent, you're growing a mask. You're growing this thing out of your face that covers up, uh, you know, at least like half your face. So it's it's it it can be used as a means of masking what you're actually feeling.
4: Well, and I I like this idea of. Putting on a mask of power too, yes. right? And if you uh, look at the writings of Barnaby J. Dixon, he's a postdoctoral researcher in the Evolution and Ecology Research Center at the University of New South Wales. He has a lot to say on this topic. Um, he's has a couple of different studies out right now, and in fact, if you go to his website, he's a Dixon with a S by the way, D I X S O N.
1: Does he himself have a beard?
4: Yes. <laughs> if you go to his website, not only will you see his glorious beard, which is um, united with a mustache, by the way, you will also be able to participate in a couple of online studies and see some images of people with beards or men with beards and men without beards and uh, go through the process of rating them on their attractiveness. So, Let me get back to to Barnaby, though. Uh, In the paper published in Behavioral Ecology, quote, Beards augment perceptions of men's age, social status, and aggressiveness, but not attractiveness. Uh, Dixon and Paul L. Vasey take a look at the power and structure vis-a-vis a beard. And in the abstract, he says, or they say, Darwin posited that beards evolved in human ancestors via female choice as a highly attractive masculine adornment.
1: This was Darwin's theory.
4: Yes, this is. They're saying, you know, Darwin put this out there.
1: Who himself had a big beard later in life, uh, after earlier in life having some cool sideburns,
4: glorious beard. Uh, But they go on to say that they think it's not necessarily um, an element of attractiveness here; it's more of power. And he said that they show that women from two very different ethnic groups—a group of women um, that are Europeans from New Zealand and Polynesian women from Samoa—they don't rate bearded. Faces as more attractive than clean-shaven faces. In fact, women from both of those groups judge bearded faces to be older and ascribe them higher social status than men who are clean-shaven.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, one of the things with all this, you have to take into account all the human complexity of any of this. You know, if you're in a society where the beard is more important and more established, and eh, well, you know that's going to that's going to weigh weigh in on things. Uh, but but most of the the the, uh, the the studies that we were looking at here they we were seeing that the, the beard has a stronger role in intrasexual signaling than in any kind of female mate preferences in, in other words guys you're growing that beard because you have something to say to the other guys not because yes. not, or you know you may you may think otherwise but ultimately your beard is speaking to the other men
4: Well, and what's interesting about the Polynesian women and the women from New Zealand is that they then saw that men who were acting aggressively with beards were deemed to be more aggressive than the clean-shaven brethren. Mm -hmm. So there's this idea, again, that it's a a sort of suiting up, a manning up, and, again, assuming a power role. And if you look at a paper by D. Carolyn Blanchard, which was published in Behavioral Neuroscience, you begin to see the animal world being pulled in, in the form of lions and their manes.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, this was an interesting study that you came across, and the, the idea here, the theory here, is that all right. So, why does a lion have a mane? Because it looks cool. Because it sends a signal. Or does the lion have the mane because all of this extra hair protects some some uh, some very important parts of the uh, the neck and face?
4: True, and she says that lions with prominent manes um, are like uh, men with beards with the ideas that both begin to grow facial hair at puberty. Both the mane and the beard help to single out gender in a crowd. And, um, yes, the the beard, like the mane, would give the wearer a more imposing silhouette and serve to blunt any attacks.
1: Yeah, because one thing you have to to think about here, too, if if this theory uh, holds up, you have to think about... uh the way humans have have evolved, um, what are our natural weapons? Our natural weapons are fists—the mm-hmm. first things we're using to hurt each other. Uh, you know, aside from you know the, the odd bite and maybe you know, the, you know, at some point someone realized, hey, we can kick things too. But for the most part, we our hands have evolved to punch people in the face. Uh, I did a, a blog and a video about this a while back, and the idea is that when you make a fist, and and certainly we are the only species that makes fists and punches. Other members of our species, uh, or if you're you know, Liam Neeson, maybe a wolf with your with your fist. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you make a fist, it's uh, you know certainly you can hurt your hand uh, still when you uh, you know make contact. But uh, it, it's structured so that uh, you're actually protecting a lot of the more uh, fragile uh, parts of the hand, the, the, the bones and muscles, when when you ball up. Mm-hmm. So the idea here is that that we have evol- we've evolved over time to use these as weapons. So in the course of evolution, too, it makes a certain amount of sense that uh, we might uh, also develop uh, some sort of protective uh, feature against uh, people punching us in the face. And then later in early uh, developments, uh, clearly some of our first weapons are going to be blunt instrument weapons as well before we eventually get to where we're creating spears and swords and axes and uh, you know, on up to our modern weaponry.
4: Okay, so a lion who was being attacked, the other lion mm-hmm. uh, who was uh, attacking the the line with a magnificent mane would get a mouthful of hair, right? Mm-hmm. And it would be a little bit harder to get to the throat region. So, if you're talking about humans then striking each other on the chin, then you've got the beard that kind of buffers the impact of that, right?
1: Right. And of course, it, uh, they didn't really go into it much in the state, but humans today are not above biting into a foe. So, Or an ear, right? Or an ear, yeah. Yeah. So I can only imagine that that would have played a part as well.
4: Indeed, I'm sure. And actually, Blanchard brings up something called the glass chin phenomenon. She says Mm -hmm. it's well-known in boxing, and direct blows to the front and sides of the neck, as well as the area just under the nose, can be particularly lethal. And that both are particular targets of attack and unarmed combat techniques, and that this is a protective feature of human beards, and that, this is interesting, the technical and competition rules of the International Amateur Boxing Associ- Association prohibit beards in boxing matches. Hmm. So I'm assuming that's to level the playing field, right?
1: I guess, because then, you know, otherwise someone with a particularly great beard is going to be that much more protected. Now, you don't see those rules, uh, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in mixed martial arts, because you do see bearded individuals partaking in combat there. I guess I'm mainly thinking of... Uh, uh, I only know older dudes, but like, uh, well, like Dan Severn, he had an awesome mustache. I don't know if that wasn't really protecting the jaw and neck, but uh, but it seems like there were a few other bearded guys that were uh, throwing down.
4: Well, no, I'm just thinking about Abraham Lincoln.
1: Abraham Lincoln, of course, the he was quite the wrestler. And he had the beard going on for sure. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, professional <laughs> wrestler, but uh, but he had a great beard. Um, and, you know, and it also ties in kind of interestingly with. Uh, some other studies were looking at where the, the theory was, too, that a, a large beard and also large eyebrows contribute to yes. the way that the, the, the face is perceived. They make the, the jaw uh, look stronger and mm-hmm. more intimidating. Um, and, uh, and and when you couple that with a brow, I can't help but think, like, what if Peter Gallagher, uh, the <laughs> actor, um, who already had, like, amazing uh, eyebrows, yeah. what if he had ever grown a beard? Because I did a quick Google search, and I never found an image of him with a beard. So. I think missed opportunity. He could have been the ultimate alpha male.
4: Well, but maybe he's doing that just for everybody's benefit. I it mean, could be. I bet that every time he furrows his brow, that the the earth trembles, right? So if he were to grow a beard, it could be catastrophic.
1: It could be. Someone sat him down once and said, "Peter, you have amazing eyebrows, and you must promise, you must swear a blood oath <laughs> never to grow a beard."
4: All right, let's take a break, and when we get back, we are going to discuss why Billy Mays beard... Made him the success that he was.
1: Alright, we're back. And uh, yeah, we said we were going to talk about Billy Mays, the um, infomercial superstar. The
4: Pitch Man. The Pitch Man. Yeah. Um, a huge beard. I mean, glossy black beard the fullest beard I think I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm.
1: Not wizardy really, not like long, but very very thick and prominent, right?
4: Yeah, yeah he was a pitchman uh, for a bunch of different household cleaners and I think that his beard contributed to his success and this is why a 2010 study in the Journal of Marketing Communications found that men with beards were deemed more credible than those who were clean shaven and the study showed participant pictures of men endorsing certain products. Now, the products were kind of key to whether or not there was any correlation of increased trust so it turns out that men with beards had grade were seen as having greater expertise and more trustworthy when they were hawking things like cell phones and toothpaste okay Hmm. so they they were doing much better than the clean shaven guys in that area but not tidy whities huh Okay. Uh, participants preferred clean-shaven men when it came to underwear. Hmm. Uh, I was thinking perhaps it's subconscious, the association of, you know, a lot of hair with underwear. And I know we're getting into Merkin territory here, but uh, that might have something to do with it. You
1: know, I ne- I've never thought about this before, about who do I prefer selling me underwear. Um, I guess I would prefer someone without a beard, um, but, but not so much. I mean, I guess it comes down to, if, if are you talking about like an underwear model? Or uh, just an underwear pitchman? And is the pitchman wearing
4: um, um, underwear himself? I think himself? that they were talking about the pitchman as the model.
1: Okay, well, I would, I guess I...
4: Or may, that's a good question. That's a very good question.
1: Well, I'm, I maybe I'm that. just more attracted to beardless guys because I would, I would want to be sold my underwear by, you know, a beardless underwear model.
4: But a man with a beard who is selling the underwear, but on the package there was a clean-shaven man. And now remember, the clean shaven... Wait, sha- well, why is the
1: bearded man there at all? Is he the other underwear model's father? He's, he's or? in a
4: department store. He has a stack of underwear. hmm And he uh, is next to the clean shaven pitchman. They're both trying to sell you underwear.
1: Well, I don't know. Now that's just a tough decision.
4: I, I'm going to go with the clean shaven because I still stand by that. I think it's something subconscious about a lot of hair hmm. and underwear. Yeah. And the nether regions.
1: Hmm. You may have something there. Somebody needs to do a study.
4: All and right.
1: Clearly, there, there are enough people researching beards and what beards mean. That there's got to be room out there and some available funding.
4: Let's get out of this uncomfortable territory and into beards and how they can contribute to one's health.
1: Yes. Now, this is pretty awesome. This, uh, this is some relatively new uh, uh, info that we have to work with here, 2012 study, uh, French study. And... They had an interesting theory here. All right. So we're growing these beards, and and we've talked about how the the beard, of course, may provide some amount of protection against uh, punches to the face, Uh, how the beard may um, mask our ability to... Communicate uh, via our our facial features with mm-hmm. other members of our uh, of our species make
4: us a more aggressive than yeah. we actually yeah. may be.
1: But then, w- to what if to what degree could they possibly be shielding us from harmful UV rays? So this study decided to test it out. So what they what did they do? They went and they bought uh, three mannequin heads, uh, put them out in the sun. Uh, on one of them, they just left it beardless. Mm-hmm. On the other, they gave it a, a short beard, you know, a, a mild beard. And then the other one, they gave it a long beard big, long, thick beard, mm-hmm. uh, to see how these uh, mannequins are affected by the UV rays uh, based on their level of facial hair.
4: And they found that beards block 90 to 95% of UV UV rays. Yes. Okay, so of course that would reduce your exposure to those rays and decrease your chances of uh, having skin cancer. Yeah. So a huge health benefit, right?
1: Yeah, and certainly uh, it brings me back to the you know Tom Hanks and Castaway. You know, yeah. Suddenly he's getting baked by the sun and growing that beard was probably his only real choice at the time. But he you know it worked out for the best because it probably gave him just a leg a little leg up on uh, avoiding uh, skin cancer.
3: Yeah.
4: So I mean, you can see how this would be a protective cover yeah. throughout the ages, right?
1: Yeah. If you're you're making your uh, your life on the beach out in the sun, maybe you should grow a beard. Maybe that would help because yeah. Think about it though you think of like pictures you've seen of uh, particularly I'm thinking of uh, like snowboarders and the like you know they'll have uh, have the big beard and then they'll have the big goggles and then the hat and that's basically it all you have to do is worry about the nose and if you were to wear say a, a pair of uh, you know Groucho Marx glasses or Humpty Hump glasses on top of that you would have complete coverage
4: <laughs> and wow what an image you would be projecting yeah you'd yeah. be
1: pretty fabulous especially if you went with the Humpty Hump um uh, 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 nose and uh, you know glasses uh, instead.
4: You know, I was thinking about the study and the mannequin heads, and I was thinking about them in a field, and I immediately began to imagine uh, instead of body farms, mm-hmm. we would have these mannequin head farms with various <laughs> growth patterns of facial hair on them, and how disturbing that might be to walk huh. up upon and say, "Oh."
1: Well, you know, I've been uh, I've been watching heads. the new uh, Hannibal Lecter TV show, mm-hmm. which. Um, there are things I really like about it. Um, I think that the acting is great. I think the look of the show is great. I'm I'm less into some of the writing and the monster of the week scenario that they have. So each episode seems to have to have a new, crazy, invented serial killer. Yeah, they're going to eventually start running to start running out of ideas though. So I think this could be one, a killer who's who is inspired by this survey. Uh, I mean, this study, and uh, finds uh, the heads of clean-shaved, mildly bearded, and uh, super-bearded men, and then cuts their heads off and leaves them out in a field.
4: Oh, like a researcher who is like, you know, it's not enough to see what, you know, a a, a chemically-based substance Mm -hmm. would absorb in terms of the sun's UV rays. I want the real thing. Yeah. I don't want any polymer in in the subject. And so, therefore, I'm going to take this study to the, you know, the nth degree in terms of, I was going to say integrity.
1: Yeah, and, and also, this, but not really integrity. This would be a great mad scientist too, because we're used to models of mad scientists where they they get into uh, morally ambiguous uh, territory, or they start using uh, human test subjects. Uh, but but generally, they're they're trying to go for something big. But you know, this would be a great one because it's this is some low hanging fruit. There's really no reason to go cut the heads off of people for it. But hey, they're mad. That's what they do.
4: Yeah, and if you, uh for some reason, if maybe you skipped ahead in the podcast and you just got to this part... <laughs> This first, is just first of an all, stop doing that.
1: Why are you yeah, listening to podcasts that way?
4: That's not. You're not going to get the a, full spectrum there of information. Uh, but yeah, this this is just an imaginary, imaginary circumstance here. Yeah, but no, nobody is cutting off heads to it, really see what the UV absorption
1: exactly. level is. But if you uh, if you look up any of the articles about the study, you do get to see a picture of these three mannequin heads with their beards out in the middle of a sunny field, and it's uh it's, it's a little creepy.
4: All right. Well, researchers Barnaby J. Dixon, our friend that we mentioned before, and Robert C. Brooks photographed 10 men at four stages of beard growth. We're talking about clean-shaven, five-day light stubble, 10-day mm-hmm. heavy stubble, and then fully bearded. Okay. Then they took 351 women and 177 men, had them view photos and re- rate each face for attractiveness, masculinity, health, and parenting ability. Huh here's the deal women ranked heavily stubbled faces as the most attractive
1: really so just that just that level of uh I'm sort of growing a beard I think they think it's really sexy but they don't know how itchy it actually is, is that good? I
4: think maybe it's where it's it's full enough not quite a full grown beard but uh grown out enough where it starts to soften that's okay. what I'm gonna guess
1: because that then that also yeah because also isn't it like really scratchy
4: yeah it's like it, a brillo pad. yeah it's the worst.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's bad for everyone. It's going to scratch the the, the, the woman's face, and then the, the man is itching like crazy and thinking, why am I trying to grow a beard again? This is why I shave every couple of days.
4: Although, I'm sure for women, there, there are some exfoliation benefits. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so participants said that the clean-shaven men, the participants meaning the men and the women, mm-hmm. uh, thought the clean-shaven men looked about as healthy and attractive as those with a full beard. But they rated the bearded men higher for perceived parenting skills. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was fascinating. Uh, light stubble got the shaft, like on parent. Yeah, uh, just in general. Oh, okay. So if you've got some light stubble, um, you got the short end of the stick here. When I say light stubble, that's that five-day growth, not quite there, kind of spotty.
1: Yeah.
4: Uh, yeah, low score across the, the board. Just makes you kind of
1: shady. Yeah.
4: Exactly. Like, are you hungover? Are you, what are you doing here? Is there? are you homeless? Uh, well, although homeless beards can grow mm-hmm. to a great volume. So, anyway, those are the results of that particular study.
1: Interesting. Um, yeah, and it, it's one of those things where it, it gets so complicated when you th- start thinking of beards as the, you know, just from, from a purely biological standpoint and then from a cultural standpoint mm-hmm. and then when we factor other things on top of it because sometimes people will grow a beard as again part of that idea that I am changing or I want to change who I am and I'm going to make an, an outward show of this uh, and somehow tell the world that I'm doing something. You know, like, uh, like somebody will go through, uh, you know, like a bad breakup and then maybe they'll shave their head or they'll grow out a beard, you know, that that kind of thing. Um, so so it, it gets complicated with humans.
4: Well, it's just Samson and Delilah, though, right? Didn't Samson? No, it a, yeah, uh, beard
1: was his strength.
4: Right. When, when he was clean shaven, it was gone.
1: Well, and that goes into some very old ideas. I was looking, I was reading in uh, Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable about uh, beards, and um, you know, in various cultures, there are all sorts of sayings about, like you know, if you, ta- if you grab somebody by the beard, it's like the ultimate uh, insult. And certainly, if you if you cut someone's beard, then it's just the, just an enormous affront in uh, in, in varying uh, beard heavy cultures. Yeah.
4: All right. So, just as a, as a little uh, mental abstract here, think about Zach Galifianakis. If he were to shave his beard, mm-hmm. how would you perceive some of his characters who have been childlike? Uh, would that get into creepy territory? Or is it, I mean does the beard kind of help to negate some of the weirdness of those mm. characters? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's such a part of his look. It's, it's, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a picture of him without it.
4: Right, I was thinking that too.
1: Yeah, but it, but I I think maybe it does. It does contribute to the, the act. Um, if he were to shave his beard off, I don't know how I would take it. I mean, also some um, you know some faces just work better with a beard. I, th- I think that's it that goes without saying.
4: True. Uh, this is one other little tidbit that I found that I thought was really interesting, and it is that uh, some men who grow out a beard or a mustache are surprised that their facial hair is ginger colored. Uh, huh. They're surprised yeah. if they're not redheaded, right? And uh, that is because facial hair allows expression of the normally recessive genes for red hair and very red skin.
1: Interesting. So it huh. can
4: pop up in those areas of your face, but not on your head.
1: Well, and then, of course, it, a lot of times it'll grow out gray uh, when you don't. When That's <laughs> the top true. of the head isn't really doing that. <laughs> it'll
4: reveal your secrets. Yeah,
1: and then the rare individual will have uh, the blonde beard, which uh, I've always found kind of fascinating because, in a, in, a, in a way, it's almost invisible at first.
4: I think of that as a very California beard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was a dude in my high school, I don't remember his name, but this is a high school, and he had like a full blonde beard. It was very impressive. I'm sure. Yeah,
4: yeah. All right. So here's some interesting research for you guys to ponder out there. Mm-hmm. But just to be clear, this is not a free pass to grow a uh, gangs of New York style handlebar mustache.
1: Well, you know that's it's going to be mean, pretty could, trendy in some areas. I mean, walk could. into you know Brooklyn with that and you'll fit right in.
4: I just feel like that's best left to Daniel Day Lewis.
1: Well,
4: oh, you're right. Some people, I, I, you know, I'm sorry. I should probably not. Uh, Tell someone not to do that well, the thing about' it's m- just a very specific choice
1: <laughs> well, the mustache is an, is an interesting bit of facial hair because it it really almost seems like there's you got to take it on a case by case situation. There are people who grow a mustache and you're like that was absolutely the right call right or they shave off their mustache and you're you're like that is wrong, grow it back, um Jimmy Buffett, because you just don't look right <laughs> without it um, so uh, yeah, it's really got to be a case by case
4: it's true, m- perhaps it's just my uh association with Bill the Butcher. Yeah. Like if I see that mustache I think there's a bit of menace to it.
1: Yeah, it's a menacing mustache, for yeah.
4: sure. Um all right, so there you go. Um I, I can't help but think though about some animals with facial hair and mm-hmm. I was thinking that Grumpy Cat would totally sport a Hulk Hogan. What do you think?
1: A Hulk Hogan beard? Yeah. Which which well, one a mustache. The mustache. Mm-hmm, the well see he for a while, and maybe he still has this, uh, he had the blonde mustache and then but then he had stubble uh, a stubble yeah. beard that was dyed black. So it was, it was, uh, you know, the, the combo.
4: Diabolical.
1: Well, there's also an older image uh, I found of him once where he, uh, in this when he had a different moniker, I think, but, um, he had a, he was not waxing his chest, and he, but he, he did have a heart shaved into his chest. So, hairy chest except for the shape of a heart.
4: Oh, that is the ultimate <laughs> act of, Hyper masculinity right there. <laughs> right? Like I have such a hairy chest that I can now actually assume some femininity here in mm-hmm. my expression of emotions. Yeah. Be a, a heart.
1: Yeah. Well, Beautiful. They, <laughs> well, there are a lot of, there are a lot of interesting manscaping choices, uh, in the world of pro wrestling. I tell you a beard we didn't mention. Have you seen the Hunger Games movie?
4: I have.
1: Uh, you know the West Bentley beard that he has in that with all the flames yes. and curls? That yeah. one is, uh, that one's one to think about. I'm not sure where I stand on that. I guess it's the future, so. All right. Well, uh, there you go. There's a, a little insight into the science of the beard. Uh, there are a lot of cool studies out there, and we highlighted some of the more interesting ones, uh, we think. Uh, but uh, if you've come across anything let us know there's always new science brewing uh growing to the surface and uh and also we'd love to hear your thoughts about beards in your life uh your own beard if you have one how do you feel it alters the um, the value proposition of of you as a human how does it uh, alter your uh, interactions with those around you or if you were you're not bearded or even if you are then then, then how do you uh, take in the beards in your life or in popular media or in fiction uh what are some of the best beards what are some of the worst uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know. You can find us uh, all over the place. Our main website, of course, is stufftoblowyourmind.com. But we're on Facebook where we are to Blow Your mind. We're also to Blow Your mind on Tumblr. We are Blow the Mind on Twitter. And on YouTube, uh, our channel is Mind Stuff Show.
4: And if you want to tell us a little story about how you are perceived with or without a beard, if you've had the experience of both, you can always send us a note at blowthemind at discovery.com. For more on this
2: and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
5: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
3: Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.